Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to... Sh- Toya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Christy Gaynell, and welcome to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Christy. How are you doing, Queen? Good morning. Have you been outside? It's snowing. It is incredible. It's, like it's snowing. It is snowing. Shut up. So I just yes. admit it to the whole world. I don't check the weather until I go outside. <laughs> I, I, I figure out. I figure out that I need a coat when I walk out the door. Yes, it's like a really big snowfall too. It's incredible. Oh, well, so glad to have you back for our long-time listener. It's always like we're right back where we belong anytime I have my special guest co-host, Christy Gaynell, who, who who held down this show for a couple of years straight with me. And so I love when I get you back, especially for interesting shows such as this, as we have two esteemed guests on the line with us as well. For this morning's discussion question, I'll let the cat out the bag before we introduce our guests. This morning's discussion question is, WTF is polyamory? And to make that clear, because people will probably say, what did he just say? What the fuck is polyamory? Is this morning's <laughs> discussion question. So if you first time listening, you just figured out we're not a politically correct show. And I want to introduce both returning guests to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We're going to start with Dr. Sanjata. Thank you so much, King, for being on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show with us once again. If you will, say hello to the Truth Seekers and share a little bit of your background and reference specifically to today's show because you do many of your things, but we'll we'll focus on uh, this morning's discussion, if you will. But thanks again for being with us, King. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, doing good. Glad to be here. How are you doing, Christy? I'm great. Glad to have you. Excited about this topic. Can't wait to hear your perspective. 
Cool. Happy to share it and happy to be here. In terms of um, in terms of background uh, and re- reference to this uh, this topic, I guess briefly, because I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail. But um, you know, something I figured out about myself now, probably about eight years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I started doing a lot of reading and trying to understand myself, understanding what I was feeling, and it, it was a journey to get here. So I'll say that um, I was five years into a, a monogamous marriage when I figured out I was polyamorous. So I'll, I'll leave it there for now. I definitely want to dig into your <laughs> story, Dr. Sunja. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, please. I was going to say, he said till he figured out he was polyamorous, like he doesn't feel like it was a choice. Um, like it's kind of like being gay like is it just something you are or were you born polyamorous <laughs> yeah for me for right, me, we're gonna yeah. get into all of that we're gonna get all into that we're gonna definitely get into that let me introduce our other guest on the air with us as well uh brother Unk, thank you again for being with us king if you will say hello to uh dr sanjata christy uh to all the true seekers out there and if you will give a little bit of that your background as you're representing i always say the amon Ra squad uh, again glad to have you king and again i just kind of asked you to be an observer and and guest on this show to give your perspective so if you will say mm-hmm. hello and give whatever background you would like to give to the um audience as well thank you for being with well, king well uh how you doing sister christy uh how you feeling today sir? Like I'm great. Glad to have you. I'm okay. What's going on, Black Soccer Chief? How you feeling, brother? Glad you got me. All is well, King. Glad to have you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, basically, I study um, biological human evolution, so I kind of understand some of the processes you can look into, uh, what you consider um, evolutionary psychology, and so you know, it's very interesting. So, you know, anything we do as a people. We need to look at all the, you know, the, the consequences, the negatives and the positives. So I'm just here to just sit back and really just add to the discourse. Uh, the show's going to be very interesting. I appreciate you, for again, for being with us. And so as we always pride ourselves in having the hard conversations that America's afraid to have. I tell people we do these conversations better than anybody else in the world. So we're going to start the way we typically start, and I'm going to go back to our uh, to you, Dr. Sanjata, before I get to you, Christy. And it's just simply, and I want you to answer this question specifically, and this is just how we start before we go to our break and get deep into the show. So when I first asked you to be on this show and I said, hey, this is the title, WTF is polyamory, what the fuck is polyamory, basically, right? So when I said that's going to be right. the title, I remember, I remember hearing a chuckle. Just tell me the initial thought to that question as stated if you could recall your first initial thought simply that thought not the in-depth other thoughts that go along with it just the initial thought can you recall what that was you know what um i can't necessarily recall what it was but i would think the reason why i chuckled is because i just know that i chuckled because i know that so many people are in so many different places in terms of their understanding of of what it is so I think that's probably why I chuckled. Come here. Sounds come here. good. Christy, 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 we're going to get into it, Christy. Christy, we're going to get into it. So now I want to hear your thought, your initial thought to death the title. I just reached out to you a couple of days ago and said, hey, can you get on the show with me? Can you recall your initial thought to what the fuck is polyamory? Well, 
Yeah, I was excited because it's a a topic or a concept that I've explored theoretically before and looked into, and I would love to hear some firsthand experiences and opinions. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun topic. I'm glad he called me for this one. That was my initial thought. Hey, I love it. I love it. All right, same thing for you, brother, before we go to our initial break. And, Chrissy, I'll let you run with every question you want to ask, Dr. Sajada, because I, I hear your excitement. You keep wanting to jump in, and you can have the floor, King Queen. I didn't bring you on the air for no re- other reason but to get it to the, to you know, to get to answer that excitement, if you will. But, Brother Ark, if you will, your first initial thought to that particular title. Yeah, I, I, was, I was interested in seeing that they actually put a um, name on it. Because it seemed like growing up when you was young, we did that anyway. Multiple girlfriends, and then, you know, your girlfriend might have had somebody you didn't know about it. You know what I'm saying? So, it, you know, we was doing that in the black community before you made that commitment anyway. So it, it is some some technicalities uh, to that that I might not particularly agree with, you know what I'm saying, the, techn- the technical aspect of it about the relationships and maybe two women having two women or two men can have two men. It's a very interesting a conversation, but to a certain degree, you know, growing up being a homo sapien sapien, a young adolescent, getting to your teen years when you start to date, you was basically doing that anyway. But yeah, interesting. All right, sounds good. And so obviously it was my idea to uh, to do this show, and I'll just say, um, not, not so much obviously our initial thoughts as in a sense titled the show, but I will say, Doctor Sanjata, you were definitely the um, you basically saying, hey, here's my situation coming out on social media at one point to say, here's what I've been experiencing, obviously served as a catalyst for this show. But I'll tell you, um, again, as making the claim that we love to have the hard conversations that people are afraid to have, this is something I've always wanted to delve into. You just obviously gave reason, just as Christian mentioned, the idea of first-hand experience. I didn't want to do this show without having the opportunity to speak to someone who, who actually is experiencing this. Uh, before we go to the break, I think it's only fair just to at least give out the definition because just as Brother Ark said, hey, maybe there was experiences in it, whether we had a name for it or not. There's definitely a lot out there, and I'll, I'll share a story after the break of another guest that I hoped to get on and wasn't able to get on, but just to kind of even initially uh, show the, the the misunderstandings when it even comes to this term, polyamory, if you will. So the definition itself, and we're going to go to a break right after this, just simply is the practice of engaging in multiple sexual relationships with the consent of all the people involved. That is a simple definition. I'm pretty sure Dr. Sanjata will be able to add to that. Again, definitions in themselves are not always the full context of anything. But, again, the simple definition, if you Google it, just simply says polyamory is the practice of engaging in multiple sexual relationships with the consent of all the people involved. With that said, we're going to go to a quick break when we come back. We will get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. What the F is polyamory? We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Are you ready to claim your financial freedom to build wealth? Well, join Mental Dialogue and Core Financial for the 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Unconference. 
a unique interactive unconference where you select the classes that matter to you, all at an affordable price. Bring the entire family as you receive instruction from certified financial professionals in budgeting, credit repair, home buying, and understanding and buying stocks. In addition, your teenagers can take the youth entrepreneurship class taught by an 18-year-old business owner. Secure your entire family's financial freedom and success as you choose two of the classes and participate in the interactive Financial Olympics where your entire family will learn about the wealth-building tools of personal finance, investment clubs, and vertical integration in business. The 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Arms Conference takes place February 22nd, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Emotep Academy, 667 Fairborn Road, Northwest Atlanta, Georgia. Child care provided during the event for ages 5 through 11. Get your tickets at claimyourfreedom2020.eventbrite.com. Again, get your tickets at claimyourfreedom2020.eventbrite.com. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Christy Gaynell. This morning's discussion question, what the fuck is polyamory? Our special guest is Dr. Sunjata, as well as Brother Unk from the Almond Ross Squad. So, Christy, I'll let you jump us off, uh, you know, in a sense, with an initial question. But before I do that, I want to share a quick story I had with another guest that I was um, bringing on just again to get into the, in a sense, the confusion of it, of this term itself. So I remember I asked one of them, I said, hey, I got an idea, would you like to come on this show? And uh, somebody had something in the background, I don't know, um, possibly, maybe you can mute yourself until you're talking, possibly, just throwing it out, because I can hear it on the air. All right, sorry about that. So with that said, I asked, and his initial thought was like, isn't that the one where is two a woman with two husbands, and actually he was referring to polyandry. And at the time when he asked me that question, I was so thrown off that I couldn't tell him that it was polyandry. I had to kind of go look it up after the discussion because I will tell you polyamory specifically, and I hope I'm saying it correctly, specifically was the one term that always confused me. We've done a show on polygamy in the past, and on that show, um, our special guest, you know, they they clarify polygyny is one man with two wives. Polyandry is one woman with two husbands. But if you understand the simple definition, it's not necessarily in the context of marriage. Polyandry is, again, the definition we just gave you, this applies to consenting adults understanding, at least the way I understand it, that there will be other relationships possibly uh, within that context. So, again, that's just a quick story to a lot of the confusion that's out there. But, Christy, I think you had a question for Dr. Sanjata, so I'll let you kind of go ahead and get jumped in. And, Dr. Sanjata, you obviously answered her question. Can I kind of go wherever you would like to to start this off? Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Really quick, before Christy jumps in with the question, can I give you a modified definition? Yeah, please do. Absolutely. Let's get clear clarity as much as possible. Yeah, because uh, the definition you gave a lot of people – um, a lot of polyamorous people do not like that definition and have been sending okay. in requests, requests to Google to change it. Um, and the reason why is because the thing that you said is multiple sexual relationships with the consent of all parties involved. And it needs to be uh, clarified to multiple relationships, or we could say intimate relationships, that may or may not include sex with the consent 
of all parties involved. So the focus is on relationships, not sex. Because every polyamorous, there are asexual polyamorous people. So for people who are not aware, asexual people are people who do not desire or engage, who do not desire or may not engage in sex. There's also aromantic people who are polyamorous. These are people who don't experience feelings of romance in the ways that others do. So I just want to bring some clarity to that. No, absolutely. Thank you for that clarity. Christy, go ahead, Queen, jump in. Uh, thanks for that clarification. And actually, Montoya, I didn't even know that poly- polygamy and polyandry applied to do two different aspects either. I thought I thought polygamy just meant that it was like within the marriage structure, any multiple-person marriage, and I never heard of polyandry, so that was very informative for me as well. But I didn't know that Paul. Let me do some. Let me give and, and, and again, we're trying to be clear. So I just want to make. And again, you're you're hearing it. I just want to make sure. I and I don't know if I might have said it unclear myself. So what we have when you talk about marriage specifically, we are talking about polygamy. Within that, you have right. polygyny. But I, I think I may have not said it correct, correct myself. Polygyny, which is the man with two wives, and polyandry, which is the woman with two husbands, and that falls under the con- context. Of polygamy, and I if if and tell me if I'm right, Doctor Sanjata, uh, poly polyamory, in the sense of the umbrella, and again, it's not it's that's just one specific thing, but under the umbrella of polyandry can be considered that. Um, but again, just to get that very clear distinction, we want to be clear on this show. So so just wanted to clarify that those two fall under polygamy. Polyandry is a bigger umbrella of marriage or not marriage or is, Sanjata just explained, sex or not sex falls all within this. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. just wanted to make sure I kept, I made it clear to everyone listening. Go ahead. Yeah, so I had a – my question was to, to um, when he said he kind of discovered or realized that he was polyamorous. Uh, and I, I, I heard it almost the way you kind of hear somebody saying, I realized I was gay or I realized I was bi or something like that where – it's like a, a definitive term of who or what you are, not something that you do or practice. And I'm like, kind of like, do we need to add a P to the LGBTQIA? Uh, like, what? What? Well, how are you feeling <laughs> about this? What? Why was it a discovery of something? Yeah, um, it's, it's LGBTQIA plus, and I and I I know that they've. Like people have added that plus because people are continuing to come out and express, you know, the various ways that they show up. Um, that's a that's a very uh, that's like a controversial thing in terms of like adding polyamory to that LGBTQ plus QIA plus um, umbrella is controversial. But um, you know, so I, I won't go there. But what I will say is yes, in terms of how it feels to me. It feels like it's similar in terms of my experience and my discovery and also like how I feel like different and ostracized in some ways and et cetera. Uh, those experiences have felt similar to the ways that people within that LGBTQ plus community have expressed their experiences. So I, I can say that for me. Well, how did you come to, I mean, did you come to this conclusion within the construct of a polyamorous amorous relationship like did you were you already involved in a polyamorous situation when you realized this is what feels best for me or was it um 
you were in a monogamous relationship and you were just like, this isn't enough, I feel like I need more, and then you had to have that conversation with the person you were with. Absolutely. Yeah, D. Yeah, D, that's, that's exactly what happened. Um, literally had no clue um, until I was in the confines of that monogamous relationship. Um, literally, it was a 15-year relationship. Um, and after, you know, um, the, uh, I'll say five years into the 11 and a half year marriage is when I started to, to realize it, you know, um, that it wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled and, um, like something was missing. And I, I basically, it came to my awareness in a major way because I had caught feelings for, um, you know, someone that I, someone else that I knew and, and I was like caught off guard by that because I was under the belief that once you had that person that you, you know, everything was great. Like my situation was really good. Like I had no complaints. Um, and I'm like, well, how come I have feelings with someone else? Like that's not supposed to happen. Like once you have that one person that you, everything is good, you know, um, you're not supposed to have feelings for anyone else, but I did. And, and I, it caught me off guard. I'm like, this and I, I began to, at that point, that's when I began to look it up because I had no desire to, like, cheat or anything like that. Like, I was totally committed, solid. So I began to question myself, like, what's going on? And I literally Googled, can you love two people at the same time? And when I, when I did that, that's when I got introduced to that term. And when I started reading about people's experiences and I started reading about what the term meant, I was like, yo, that's me. Like, that's what I was feeling. And, um, you know, I began to suppress it. Uh, you know, I definitely went to my, my, my partner at that time and let her know because my commitment in that situation was, you know, I would never cheat. Um, and I, I wanted to stay true to that. So instead of, instead of cheating, I just had a conversation with her about it. And that led to counseling. And literally I went in and out of counseling for six years um, trying to suppress it. And it just got, it was, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And, um, I got to the point where I couldn't suppress it anymore, and I had to be myself, and, um, you know, that's when the, the marriage ended. <clears throat> let me ask a quick question here, Chris. I'm pretty sure you have uh, another one, and I'll let you get back in. But just a quick question. Uh, when you say you went to counseling for six years, you had a concept of suppressing it. Um, in the counseling, you know, I don't know if you went through several counselors or anything of that nature, but if you could add, just kind of tell me real quickly in the sense that the counselors are, against, I guess, trying to assist you to ensure that you know, obviously your wishes were to make it work with your uh, with your wife at the time. So, what was, mm-hmm. was, the, was the was the counselor giving some type of advice of how you might could quote unquote suppress it? Or I don't even know if that's the right word. Of the, if that's how the counselor dealt with it. But I'm interested in the professional's perspective on how you might could deal with it if this. You know, with this real feeling inside of yourself that you're trying to get counseling right. on, what perspective was the professional even trying to offer, if you will? And then, Christy, you can come back, and then we'll get to Brother Unc um, after um, Christy goes, um, goes again. Go ahead, Dr. Sunjana. Yeah, so the first count, the interesting thing is the first counselor I went to had no idea what it was. Um, and it was actually <laughs> a, a counseling program attached to a church. So the only context she could bring in was, like, sex addiction. And her initial, her initial, um, like, lane that she wanted to go down was, like, are you a sex addict? Um, like, that was the only thing that it could be tied to. Like, maybe you're, you use the term in your description, insatiable. Like, you know, you just want more. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're insatiable. And it's like, nah, that's not it. 
And I remember like researching, like, okay, I was, I was down to do whatever because I wanted to make my, my, you know, my family situation work. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm willing. If that's what we got to do. Then I'm willing to go down that road. And the more I looked into what that was, I'm like, ah, that's not me. Like the, the behaviors and some of the uh, indicators of what sex addiction is. I'm like, ah, that's not it. That's not, that's not what I'm feeling. Um, you know, and I won't get in deep into what it is, but I'll just say a lot of sex addicts, like they do really reckless stuff to, you know, mm-hmm. quench that thirst. And I had mm-hmm. no desire to do anything reckless. Um, and I would run like mental simulations through my head. And it wasn't the aspect of, I, I was able to like understand about myself, have this level of self-awareness where it wasn't about sex primarily. I had, I desired relationship. I desired that connection with someone else. I desired to like, I had a greater capacity for love. And it was like, I didn't feel right. Um, I felt like my love was being suppressed. And I had the desire to give and receive more love. That was, that was the driving force. That was what centered it for me. Um, so that's when I realized that wasn't it. And then eventually I made my way to um, someone that was a counselor that had experience with polyamory. And um, she happened to be polyamorous herself. And, again, the goal was, and she asked me very clearly, like, you know, what is your goal? And is the goal to maintain your relationship? And once I said yes, then she just took an approach of, okay, these are some things you can possibly do to stay focused mm-hmm. on and maintain your current situation. And that's kind of the approach we took. And I, and I, I bought in. And I, I really tried. I really, really tried. But mm-hmm. it was, um, it got to the point where, you know, my, my true nature just, it just overruled everything, and I began to, like, I had to have, like, negative self-talk. I had to, like, tell myself I was a bad person for having these thoughts. I had to tell myself, I had some really dark mm. thoughts, I'll just put it that way. I, I began to have some really dark thoughts. I would lay my head on the pillow at night and feel so, like, just incomplete, conflicted. Like, how can I mm. enjoy this person next to me and love this person next to me with all this in me? but still lay my head on a pillow at night and feel a void and feel incomplete and feel like I'm, I'm living a lie. And, um, it, again, over the course of years, that became really hard. And just to give you all some more context, like I would go to one of my closest friends who, who actually was um, uh, polygynous. He had multiple wives. He's a Muslim. He had multiple wives. I would talk to him about the situation. And he was like, well, is there another woman? And at this point, like, there wasn't. There was never another woman, but I would still have these thoughts. And it was like, that's how you know it was real for me. A lot of people, you know, I think that's mm-hmm. what makes my situation unique. Like, I dealt with this stress and this frustration and this void, and, and I'm, I'm using words. And sometimes you can't even use words to explain what I'm mm-hmm. saying. I'm using the best mm-hmm. words I can. But I'm telling you all, the words that I'm using don't do justice, justice to what I was feeling on the inside. And, um, you know, and, and that was the thing. He was like, I would get to this point where I had, like, this bubbling up of anxiety and and, like, feelings where I would have to go back into counseling because it was like, I can't hold it anymore. I was about to explode. And then I would go back into counseling, and then I would talk to someone, and then they would, like, give me some more months to suppress it. And it was just like, again, mm-hmm. that, that, that cycle every, cycle. You know, every year for six years of, like, getting to a boiling point. And he couldn't understand it. He's like, how are you feeling this? And there's not even no other woman, like, quote, unquote, tempting you. It was internal. I felt it. Christy. So that's why you describe it as like a discovery um, or, yeah. you know, a, a realization as opposed to um, as 
and 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 it's in the sense of it being like who you are, not just a choice that you made because you made you discovered these things in yourself while you were in a different type of situation. Yes, yeah. I'm sure I would have never like discovered it. Brother, you sit back and listen to. Yeah, I'm sorry, Chris. I thought you were finished. Chris, you good? I want. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, he was saying I would have never discovered it. I thought I, knew, I thought he was saying something else. But okay, um, got you, got you. I think I think it's fascinating because I I know you know when I was married or right after I used to joke all the time I need a husband and a wife and like my friends would just you know like laugh like it was a joke but I, there was a there was a part of me that sincerely felt that. But it was more of a joke because I think within the constructs of normal relationships and society as we see it, that's not a real thing. But um, when I discovered polyamory, I was like, oh, this is a thing that people are actually doing. I think I, I discovered it on a television show that was called Polyamory. And like you said, it was like people in all different types and levels of relationships with different levels of commitment, but all of it was consensual. And everybody was involved in each situation, like in the whole, it was a group thing. It wasn't um, an individual thing. It wasn't like swinging where, you know, where you like you're just exchanging partners or whatever. It's like we are all together in this relationship and we make decisions together and we make choices and we do things together. Is that what your experience of it is? Or, I mean, now that you are in the, now that you've been able to have that. Um, so let me no, do this real quick. Cause we're up against the breakout. Yeah. Yeah. We're up against the break. Okay. So what we're going to do, if you will, I'm going to play a cut. It's going to add some more context to this discussion. Some of what Christy may have just asked you possibly. So I do want to get a response from all of that. But coming out of the break, Brother Uncle kind of lead and kind of give his thoughts to everything he's heard, and then we'll get back um, to this cut, if you will. So um, matter of fact, I'm going to delay the cut because I want to make sure I don't don't break this up. But uh, based on everything you've been hearing, um, just wherever you want to go, King, just kind of, uh, uh, you know, if you have a question or any thoughts about what you've heard at this point, mm. let's get those out, and then we'll play the cut so that way we're not breaking up the direction of where we're at. Go ahead, King. Um, I find it very interesting. Um, I never forget growing up <clears throat> um, when I was a teenager, and my father was, uh, you know, instructing me and teaching me how to date. Uh, he gave me a rule to kind of stand by. He said, never lie to a woman. He said, tell her what you want. If you want somebody else, let her know. She'll still choose you if she wants you, but be fair to her. And so I kind of kept that with me. So from day one, my father was always telling me that a woman will let you have another woman as long as you be honest with her. Don't lie to her. And so I thought that was the order of uh, of the day when you was young, that you'll have a woman, you'll tell her, I want to have that woman. You'll just let everybody know, and that's what it is. So I didn't actually think it was like, a struggle, maybe in the confines of certain religions, where it's very structural on how marriage is supposed to be and all that. But I was thinking that, you know, basically, as long as you told that person the truth and the other person knew it, then you was being responsible with your sexuality. You know, I thought that's the way it was supposed to be. So I didn't grow up in a household where you need to do this or that. But, you know, once you reach the age of wanting to have children and get married, because based off of the evolutionary process, uh, you raise better children under the tutelage of two parents. So early on, Homo sapiens sapiens understood that if the male was in a household, he could protect the family better. And so, you know, you those who stayed longer in relationships 
had more valuable offspring. Valuable offspring meaning to give birth, you know what I'm saying, to other valuable offspring. And then after you reach a certain age and the kids are grown up, then you would go back to, well, I'm going to be honest with you, you no longer want to be married. So this is part of the whole process. I don't know about adding nomenclatures and letters and making it real complicated. You know what I'm saying? For me, you look back at the 60s with the free love, 60s and the 70s. This is basically where this is coming out of, right? It's just very interesting to me. I think it's in human nature to go through what the brother went through. Like you, I don't know if you had children or not, but you'd be married for 16 years. You start to get bored with it. You get tired, and you want to experience other things. This is where older married couples will tell you that this is the struggle. It's part of it. But I'm glad you made the decision to be honest because the truth at the end of the day is really what we need. But, you know, that's just my, you know, common sense on the matter. But I find the whole thing. No, I respect it. No, I absolutely respect my sense. So, 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 so Montoya, yeah. can I, I – okay. really important. I appreciate something from okay. where he went with it. I think okay. it's important to bring this clarity. I never got bored with my with my ex-wife. Never got bored. Loved her passionately. Would have been we would still be together if she was able to to make that 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 you know transition. I respect that she couldn't. But no, nah, I never got bored with her. Just want to make that clear. No, oh yeah, a very I, good I, point. I got you, bro. Let, let, let me let me yell out. let me go to this cut because I definitely wanted to work this out. It's not a commercial, so I could I could delay it. So let me play this cut. This cut's gonna bring some of it's gonna some of all of what we've been saying, and we're gonna just continue this conversation. If you're out there listening, we will open up the phone lines after this cut. If you're already on the line, I'll go ahead and let you in. Press one to let us know that you want to speak. The phone number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. You will need to press 1. So if all of you will just listen to this cut, and um, Dr. Sanjata will let you kind of come off of the cut just based on what you heard. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. About possibly engaging in it, looking at other alternatives to maybe outside of a monogamous relationship and looking into non-monogamy. And my whole thing is my transition has been I'm about love, and love, to me, conquers all. Whether it's in a monogamous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship, my whole thing is that you respect your mate and y'all respect each other. And it's just seemed like to me that there's a lot of disrespect going on. There's a lot of uh, messiness. There's a lot of cattiness. There's a lot of negative energy that's permeating within the uh, urban lifestyle scene in Atlanta that I left. And it made me take a step back and, and had made me have to realize either I can be um, a part of and just let things continue to go on the way they are, or I can step back and try to make a difference. And, you know, my difference is that I'm trying to make it with the love movement. And it's, 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 a, it's a purpose that I have from a higher power that I believe, and I believe my input and what I can use with my my um my um, see, ability to connect individuals, what li- what limited amount of power that I have or God has gave me, I'm going to try to use it for, the, for what's right and what's positive. And even though sometimes it might not seem like it's positive, overall, I'm trying to make the necessary strides to put the right type of light on the whole lifestyle community in general. You know, to say that there are people, there are real people that live this life. There are real couples that it has made a positive difference in their life in order to, for them to communicate with each other instead of lying and cheating 
They're actually able to talk to each other and decide what they want to do. If they want to add mates to their bedroom, if they want to add other relationships to their to their um, union. As long as they're being respectful of each other and they're telling the truth, I support that. It's the whole lying and cheating and messiness that I don't support. And anything that I can do to help change that, I'm going to do. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Christy Gaynell. This morning's discussion question, what the fuck is polyamory? Uh, featuring Dr. Sinjata as our special guest, along with Brother Unk from the Amonrod Squad. Um, this is a cut from, I think he goes by a nickname, Black Mayor or something to that effect. Guy out of Atlanta just found that cut on the Internet. Um, thought it was interesting. To be uh, to be clear, just to be pretty fair, he's really speaking reference to, in a sense, the swinging community, which, again, falls somewhat under the umbrella of polyamory. Again, polyamory is not limited to to, to, the, to these, these these different things. These are, in a sense, branches. But I felt like that part of the cut uh, applies to the bigger umbrella. So if you will, Dr. Sajada, as you hear what this brother had to say in reference to, uh, for him, it being about love, uh, even him even going as far as he feels like this is part of his higher power. So there's a lot of language being used. Again, we like to have these hard conversations, so I use that cut, wanted to bring it out. So any thoughts to what you heard that brother say in reference to uh, uh, how he sees, in a sense, being polyamorous, if you will. Sure. Um, so let me just say this. Um, there's a lot of gray area, um, you know, in terms of how people define, define themselves and define all of this. So my understanding is that the first thing, in, to- in order to put this in the proper context, is the, um- the, the, the umbrella that all of this falls under is an umbrella called ethical non-monogamy. It's in some terms, it's ethical non-monogamy, and some people term it consensual non-monogamy, okay? So with, under that umbrella or that tree, there's several branches. Swinging is a branch of its own. Polyamory is a branch of its own. Polygamy is a branch of its own. Now, so that's, that's one thing. Now, I got to even back up and, and, and modify that whole branch of its own. Let me say this. For some people they live on those separate separate branches. And then there's some people where it's fluid. They, they can move in and out of those branches depending on their, their situation. Um, and so, for example, what I mean by that, so let's look at swinging as its own branch. Within the context of swinging, you typically have people who are in a relationship, whether let's use marriage context, they're in that relationship, and it is totally centered on uh, the, on sex in terms of bringing other people into the fold for a sexual relationship. Love does not have to be there for that relationship to happen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's within the swinging context. It's, to, it's strictly on the physical, um, you know, consenting to have more intimate partners physically. When, with the polyamorous context, you're talking about actual committed relationships where there's love involved. Um, now, there are polyamorous people who have other partners that they, they have that they love, but they also have the c- capacity to swing, meaning to have those, those physical uh, connections that don't have to be within the context of a relationship. Does that make sense? So no, it makes perfect it's, sense. It makes perfect okay. sense to me. Yeah, so I just want to bring that, bring that uh, level of clarity. That's but a great all, distinction. The best, umbrella, the, the, best, uh, the best umbrella to put this under is, Ethical consensual non-monogamy. 
I'll put all of it under. And then I was going to answer Christy's other question when she said, you know, everyone together as a family, um, et cetera. I wanted to say again, in some situations that is the case and others, it isn't. It's um, everyone gets to define how their relationship looks. Um, there is no standard. That's really the, the main thing I want to say is there, there is no standard way of doing it. There is no standard way of it looking. Um, and there's even some people within some of the groups I'm in that have quote unquote, you know, polyamorous relationships, but they don't like the, they don't even like the title because they feel like the title is limited. So some people don't even accept mm-hmm. that title because it limits, you know, their, you know, how they express themselves in terms of a relationship context, as well as like a sex, sexuality uh, context. Some people just prefer to just say I'm fluid. Makes sense. <laughs> Chrissy, uh, any thoughts about what Dr. Jada had to say or the cut, either one? The, um, the other guy was just trying to get in real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch it. I'm sorry, brother. I didn't even hear you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. I, I, I would just really like to add that at the end of the day, it's really based off of choices. And at no point in time should we ever forget, like, who we really are and the situations that we're in. And so it is important for us to raise black families. And when I say black families, I mean the dynamic of a mother and father. And, and you know, man, you've talked about this and this, right? We're already behind the eight ball based off of having single-parent homes. And so we need to at least, watch this, when we're making the choice of our partners and what we're doing, through, through those early stages of child development, we should at least be there in the household for our families, for our children, until they reach that certain age. And then we can make other choices. See, sometimes in this world, we got to just sacrifice because at the end of the day, it's just sex. And sex is very, very complicated. So everybody wouldn't mind having an extra wife, right, or, or having an extra a boyfriend. Nobody wouldn't mind that, right? But the choice, the point is we need to make real responsible choices for the betterment of our family and our community. That does not mean that you have to lose yourself, but it does mean we have a certain amount of responsibility you know, to these children we are raising. You know, it, it's important for black men, right, to not to continually leave black women. I'm not saying you, brother, not at all. I'm just making a point based off of this decision and that decision. Sometimes you got to bite the bullet, raise your kids, then you can make that decision to leave. I just think we should never just lose the whole thing. That's my point. Maybe other people can do it and afford to get away with it, but can we afford to get away with not making good, sound decisions. I'd just like to make that. And and, and what I'll say to you, Brother Ark, I, I really wanted to bring that context into the next hour, which is no problem with you bringing it up at this point. As I, In the first hour, I'm kind of just fully exploring, answering our this morning's question. And, and I, right now, I think we are getting a lot of clarity as, as, as Dr. Sanjata breaks down different branches and uh, like the example that you gave, Dr. Sanjata, I thought was excellent on, you know, change, you know considering sex, which is the swinging culture versus polyamory, where again, you're talking about the love and the idea that some people don't like any of the uh, of any of the titles because they're they're restrictive based on how they, as you say, choose to show up. And so just, just kind of just saying that, exploring that in full, because I definitely want to jump into some of what you're talking about in context to the African-American community and hear Dr. Sanjata's thoughts on it. So if we will, let's, I'm going to table that aspect because I want to bring it up heavy in the next 
next hour. So, Christy, if you will, I'll jump back to you real quick, um, just again in reference to the cut yeah. you heard or something that Dr. Sanjata had to say, uh, wherever you want to go with that. Let's let's just go right there for right now. Well, first of all, I really just want to acknowledge and commend both of the men on the show, or all of the men, I should say, on the show, for, you know, acknowledging that it should be the woman's cho- it should be everybody's choice you know what i mean it's, it should be honest it should be open it should be consensual um and that you know we're promoting what or what we're discussing is the promotion of positive consensual relationships as opposed to you know people just want going behind each other's back cheating because a lot of people are in polyamorous relationships and they don't even know it or you know they they don't necessarily want to be or are not consenting to be in them and so I feel like you know by opening up this dialogue and this conversation and you know bringing awareness to the potential and the possibility for a consensual multi-partner situation or relationship as long as you involve the other party in the conversation, I think that that that's, there's a lot to be said for that mindset and that mentality, and I think that's also something that we should try and promote amongst, you know, more black men, because between the down low men and the, you know, players, we women have a hard time really knowing what's going on sometimes in these relationships, and... So when we're offered the option to, like, say, choose, is this something you want versus something you don't want, like, from a respect perspective, that means a lot to me. It may not be what I want. I'm I'm, I'm a jealous person. I'm a possessive person sometimes. I might not want to have to share with, but I do want the option, and I don't want that option stolen from me just because you suspect you might lose me if you give me the option so I really respect that both of you brothers are promoting and talking about you know involving the woman in the choice making uh, very good we're actually up against the break so what we're going to do uh, we're going to go to a break we got a caller that wants to get in so we'll go to the break we'll go to the caller and continue this morning's discussion question WTF what the F is polyamory uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I am your host, Montoya Smith. 
a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Krista Gaynell. This morning's discussion question, what the F is polyamory, featuring Dr. Sunjata, as well as Brother Anso on the line with us. we got a caller that wants to get in on this morning's discussion. That's a couple of callers, actually. Area code 678, last 3149. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hi, my name is Monica. I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Well, I live in Sewanee, actually, but I'm very close to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I wanted to provide some um, a different perspective because in response to what one of the guys said about um, waiting until your kids are grown or whatever and then do what you want to do, okay. um, I've been poly pretty much all my life. My husband and I have been living it that way for the past seven years. Um, we don't believe in hiding anything from our children because we don't want them to think that this is not a normal thing. So I disagree with waiting until they're grown to do that because you can absolutely raise your family in a very loving environment with a husband and a wife and other partners and raise them as a village. And um, there has been no negative impact on my children. They're very aware of my partner. Um, We have our children together a lot of times and so to them that's just a normal thing and that's what we ascribe to uh, show them so that when they grow up they can make their own decision and not have to struggle kind of like I did um, with trying to be monogamous early on in my adulthood um, but fighting that that urge because I am very naturally non-monogamous so I just wanted to provide that perspective as well I right, thank you for that three cents, brother. Um, brother, I'm gonna let brother Aunt respond to that. Yeah. kind of her initial thought? Yeah. Let me, just, let me, yeah, Chrissy, I'll let yeah. you come. I'll let you come with it. I'm just gonna let him respond first because her thought was a first reference to him. So I'll let him respond. And then, Chrissy, you can you can jump in. Uh, thank you, Monica, Monica, for calling in. Go ahead, um, um brother. Aunt. Yeah, appreciate you, sis. But uh, I, I wasn't saying that. I, I wasn't making a point of. I was saying that we shouldn't break up the family. Meaning, if your oh, wife gotcha. doesn't agree with that. Then yeah, but I get you. Yeah, yeah. The truth is, I th- I think that that might be still healthy. I, my point is, is having adults around, a male and a female around, to raise the children. That's what I was saying. I wasn't saying that uh, you shouldn't do it until you you know both. No, that wasn't the point. The point was, we need that dynamic of a male and a female, not two females, not two males. It's very important for the black family to have a male and a female to raise the babies. We can just look at the conditions we're in right now. You know, look at our children. Look what's going on. So I, I'm an advocate of having two parents in the household. Healthy, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, now I get your point. You're right about that, sis. Um, I'm well, not any response, I, and I'll let Christy ask whatever I think she wants to say. I think, that family, I think that family can be in, in all different configurations. As long as a child is being raised in a nurturing loving home. Um, They could have two moms, two dads, a mom and a dad, two moms and two dads. I mean, it doesn't matter. What matters is that the attention and the love and nurturing is happening with that family. Um, But I do agree that, you know, breaking up a family does hurt children. I'm I'm the child of of divorced parents, and it did impact me negatively. Um, But there are other parents that do a really good job of co-parenting, I feel like my um, my other partner who is divorced, he does a really good job with his ex-wife raising both of their children together. Um, and I don't think that they ever feel like they're missing out on anything because they're both working together to raise their children. 
Chrissy. So yeah, I was I, my question was because she said she had a husband, and then she said some her and her partner sometimes have the kids. So my my question was, is your partner, do your partner and your husband also have a relationship, or do you keep those separate? I mean, do you, you know what I mean? Like, do you do you do your own thing with your partner and also with your husband, or is it a group thing? Uh, both actually. Um, there are times that all all of us are together, all three of us, um, with my family. Um, there are times that I'm just with my partner, and there are times I'm just with my husband. Um, but we we don't. My husband and I don't date together in the sense that we have triads together or anything like that because we prefer to be separate. Um, but we're we're kind of fluid, so we're we're open to anything. But we don't we don't separate as far as like being in the same space with other partners. Um, we don't do that. Dada Sindada, as you hear, um, Monica kind of display her situation, and a lot of things have been said. Some of it um, is particular to you based on what I know about your own life. But any thoughts or anything you want to speak to? Go ahead, King. Um, no, I appreciate the um, I appreciate the context, you know, uh, that that Monica's bringing. Um, so I don't I don't have anything to add to that. Okay, sounds good, uh, Monica. You have been wonderful. I'll, let me see, I'll share one thing. Here's a, a, a element of where I agree with um, Brother Anka, and I'll just share this. I think it, it brings in. I think that I always say the truth is in the middle. So what I would offer is, while I am a huge fan of of children, and again thinking in the larger context of the African American community specifically, if you will, um, and 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 I understand what Brother Unk means when he says when you look at our condition, and I know what he means as a collective. So in that sense, I am a huge fan of children typically, when possible, having, in a sense, if you will, the male and female energy, in a sense, to raise them. Where I agree with you is, in this sense, the, the concept of having two loving parents versus the situation of one parent, quote-unquote, struggling, and not that every single parent is struggling, uh, and it has already been proven, as you said, a loving and nurturing environment is most important. So that's, in a sense, where I agree with you, and we have context. We even have studies that show how children come up when they have, in a sense, in a sense, two parents, whatever that construct, how that is much better than, 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 than the lack that typically happens even with one parent doing the best they can. So if you kind of understand what I'm saying, my preference, personally, I will say, again, this is obviously my personal preference. I think there are huge benefits. Uh, for our community to have that male-female energy to raise raise children, but where I agree with you is just in the sense of a loving, nurturing environment, regardless of that construct, is better than what we're currently doing as well, if that makes sense. I'll give you one last thought. Thank you for your amazing three cents this morning. Thank you. All right, Queen. Uh, we actually go to Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis. He got some thoughts on this this morning, so we'll go ahead and jump to him. Brother Piaski, what you got for us this morning? Thanks for calling in, King. Always appreciate your three cents. Well, I got a couple of <clears throat> things to say. As far as I'm concerned, I always like, I always have subscribed to the tried, proved, and tested methods of models, should I say. I have said many times that when you look at certain segments of black society, African-American society, you have certain segments that's actually about 60 years behind 
the model of what you would consider ideal success in America. And I'm going to tell you why. One thing is that the Ankh said it best about the building of a family. And I think he left out, not intentionally, but because of nutrition, the grandparents. Every family has to have, should have grandparents because grandparents are intergenerational assets to the family. And I'm talking about legitimate grandparents, not 35-year-olds, because of the things that they bring to the overall scheme of raising a child. They bring that knowledge based on experience and having lived it. Christy makes a great point also, but I don't think she put it out there like I'm getting ready to say. A lot of these problems that you have with these relationships, they start off and how they end is because people are not truthful, and they should be truthful right up front. Because we live in a society today that's practically new, looking at the things that's being talked about that we see and that's being experienced. If you, ma'am, Christy, if you're sitting across the table from a male, that male should be outright with who he is and what he has been. If you are down low, tell the woman that you're down low. Why does it have to be a surprise? You, male, I'm going to use you as an example, Ankh. If you're sitting across from what you think is a woman and it's not a female, that person should be outright too. Why subject yourself to all the drama that's going to usually develop when the truth finally comes out? It can be very dangerous and oftentimes fatal. So you have to put those perspectives in your thinking today. Hey, this is the United States. Everything goes. But as I said before, there are parts of the black culture that still subscribe to the tried proved and tested tested method of relationships and raising family, that's the one I subscribe to. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, Brother, brother Piaki. I always appreciate your three cents. So uh, if I will, I'm going to go to you, Dr. Sanjata, because uh, I'll say to a certain extent, I think you know enough about me to know that quite often I'm pushing, um, I think Brother Piaki is describing as the tried and true uh, perspective, and I know what he means by that, and it's more re- more reference to traditional, uh, if you will. And I think you know that I'm often pushing that, um, you know, from a personal standpoint. But again, a big part of my personal standpoint is similar to Brother Unk in the sense of uh, recovering uh, that 60 years, if you will. I'll use um, Brother Pianki's reference uh, for our community in general, from a cultural standpoint. I-, I am not one who likes to impose it necessarily on the individual. But at the same time, I think it's only fair to a dialogue such as this is that we do try to figure out is there a way to balance uh, your individual story that is very true, that is absolutely respectful because, you know, unlike some, you didn't just run out there and do your own thing. You contended with it. It's a story that we must respect and know that it applies to a lot a lot of individuals. And so, again, I am not necessarily trying to impose this tried and true on every individual, uh, but for those of us who are concerned with the collective, uh, uh, well, in a sense, what is your response when you hear uh, a brother Ark or a brother Pianchi or even myself say, here's, here's something that we, we would like to still push culturally uh, while individuals are contending with different 
fluidity along, amongst these spectrums, if you will. I hope I'm, I'm hope I'm making sense in asking this question. Uh, but yeah, whatever response absolutely. you have to that, please please jump in, King. Yes, absolutely. So. Montoya, you know, and I want to make your audience aware of the fact that... Hey, I just realized I'm not paying attention to the clock. We're at the top of the hour. i got to take care of my sponsors. So what we'll do is we'll okay. play this, this this brand new cut from one of our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment. We're going to play this cut when we come back from this beautiful song. Uh, Dr. Sajada, the floor is yours. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think that this cut here comes from uh, we'll play a quick, very quick commercial, and then you'll hear a cut from Taylor Pace called Forever. Um, I think it's kind of perfect timing as we push this idea of, of family and what does that look like. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Talk show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates, along with special guest co host, Christy Gaynell. This morning's discussion question What the F is polyamory? Featuring special guest Dr. Sunjada, as well as Brother Unk from the Amara Squad. So, if you will, Dr. Sunjada, the floor is yours. As I, again, I kind of said a lot, but I think you said you understood me. So, just kind of, yeah, how yes. do we balance all of this as we move into some of what Brother Unk was, you know, kind of brought up? 
earlier, if you will. But go ahead, King. Sure. Um, so as I was going to say, Montoya, I know you know this, but I want to also inform your audience that um, I've spent thousands of hours studying evolutionary biology, studying evolutionary psychology, uh, studying social evolution, and I am a trained systems thinker. Um, systems thinking, uh, or, and let me say this, and under, with that understanding, uh, I understand that everything that we see and experience in this, this, this reality is a system. Um, there's, there's a difference between natural systems like air, rain, water, animals, people, we're natural systems. And then there's something called social systems. Social systems are our customs, our laws, our social norms. They are human created. Social systems are human created. Natural systems are, you know, just created by nature and, and evolution. So with that being said, um, and also I do a podcast called Theory of Indivisibility, where I talk about these things. Uh, it's on every podcast platform. In case any of this connects with anyone, you can go and listen to some of the things I'm about to share. Um, so when I hear the aunt, Brother Pianchi, and you, Montoya, say the things that you say, um, I want to say that I understand. It makes sense. You want to see people be successful. You want to see people win. And you want to see them win within the current construct, the current social construct. The problem with the, the social construct that we live within is that they are, they are based on compulsion. They're based on standards. Hold on one second. Hold and, on one second. Sorry to cut you off. Hold on one second. Okay. Uh, Brother Ankh, are you, that, you in the background trying to figure out the background noise? Somebody needs to mute themselves. Trying to figure out who needs to mute themselves because it's definitely affecting them. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, muted, I muted myself. Oh, great. My fault. Okay. All right. Sorry about that, um, Dr. Sinjata. If you could kind of jump back in where you were at. Yeah. So everything that, that we are, we're born into these social systems that were set up long before any of us show, showed up in this world. And we try to fit within these social systems, and ultimately, um, over, over the course of history, you know, people have figured out, like, you know what, that doesn't work for me. So, and they push back. We have a history of people pushing back against certain social norms that, at the time they were created, they were created in order to help people thrive based on the conditions of that era. So, for example, when we start with the concept of husband-wife marriage, monogamy, you know, monogamous marriages. Monogamous marriages aren't natural, per se. They're, I mean, I'll say, I know for a fact they aren't natural. They are a human-made social construct that was created by Europeans to uphold the order of patriarchy and capitalism. Both, again, are social constructs. And even before capitalism, feudalism and all these other uh, economic systems, marriage was created so that men could pass their their uh, assets on to their children. So they had to have a wife and give her his name so that, you know, so that he could continue to pass on these, this wealth that they were building, et cetera. That's what, that's what marriage came out of. Marriage wasn't about love until literally in the 1900s, like the 1960s and like 50 years ago, that's when people started to talk about love. When my grandfather got married in 1920, he didn't marry my grandmother because of love. He married her out of that the desire to, to fall in line with the social order and to build, you know, to create that level of quote unquote, to position his family, his lineage for that level of quote unquote success. So 
the problem with that, again, is it doesn't work for everybody. And, what, and it ends up creating dysfunction. When you, when you incorporate standards into something that's not standard at all, like human nature, you're always going to get dysfunction. So now you have people living double lives. You have people cheating. You have people having families over here and there. And all these various dysfunctions. So let me, let me interject real quick. And and I'll finish. Let me interject. Let me interject a com- just a quick concept here. Um, and where, where you acknowledge that cultures, humans will create systems, as you said earlier, for survival of the current times. And so while I'm hearing what you're saying, I, and, I, and I will say this, and I'm, I'm pushing back a little bit, and I just want to kind of throw this out to see how you handle it, from the standpoint of while you're accurate on how, again, how some individuals will respond to these things that do not apply to, to them, you're not always getting dysfunction based on the current society. So, for example, when me or a brother aunt say we desire these certain constructs for, for a collective, then we're, we're seeing, in a sense, based on the current society, success with these constructs, although they, in a sense, were built by humans. And one other thing, and I'll let you jump back in, is you know, let's, let's also keep in mind that the concept of marriage evolved around the world even before there was contact with, un- contacts with Europeans well before there were contact with Europeans. So it's not that's not the only place that construct came from. Just to kind of push back a little bit, but I'll let you kind of jump in with, in a sense, I hope you hear where I'm challenging you at. I'm challenging you in the sense that you're right for the individual, but how do you apply that from the standpoint that there are ways to be successful using some of those structural, cultural um, ideas for each particular cu- culture is done differently within different cultures, but quite often humans have chose that human system not for no reason, if you will. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, so marriage in the context that we know it in Western society and also in societies that have been colonized by Europeans looks totally different than the, than the ways that indigenous people came together to form village, form relationships, even the word marriage, we're using that word. Like, there's certain things that other cultures don't even have language for that we put labels on and have language for, and it means it has different meanings. So, yes, humans, let's just use, they connected, and having that, like, marriage, that relationship bond where there was, like, support and taking care of each other, but it looked different in all different, in, in, in different societies in different ways. So the ways that I'm speaking of it is in Western colonized, you know, a sense of, you know, what that has uh, birthed. So that's the first thing I want to say. And the other thing is, and everything you just said is this. There was a time. This is, everything is about evolution. There was a time when patriarchy was, had such a hold on women and men didn't want to give up the power that they had over women because in the ways of the, ways of the social order of that time, it was successful. It made sense. But yet, there was a time where enough women started to stand up and say, you know what? No, we want rights too. Like, the conditions that women lived under prior to the women's suffrage movement were inhumane. And women today, even though there's still, you know, discrimination and sexism and all these various things, you know, there's been improvements because of the evolution of women stepping up and pushing back. But mm-hmm. if we go back 200 years, 100 years, 200 years, there were, there were men having conversations like we're having right now that could say, based on the way our society is set up, this works. 
and it should stay that right. way. Right, that makes sense. Let me give another example. With, with uh, the enslavement of African people in this country, there was a time where people could come together and say, you know what, based on the way our society works, based on the economic realities, based on, you know, all those social, the social order of this day, having African people enslaved makes sense. That's the way to mm-hmm. success. So here we are today, and you have people pushing back and saying, just within the context of this conversation, monogamous marriage as a standard and all the laws and the social norms built around that, it doesn't work for me. And yes, you can, for someone that, that it does work for, I can, and for someone it does work for, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world for you to say it works, it makes sense, that's the rule of the land, that's the order, and we should stick with it. That's the same way every uh, social oppression has been built on the whole idea that it works, it makes sense. And until mm-hmm. enough people step up and start doing something new, and then those people doing something new and expressing themselves and how it needs to change, that's what brings about change. So, well, I think we're, yeah, I'll let you jump yeah. in. Yeah, let me get into Montoya. Yep, yep. Go ahead, Christy. I was going to say, um, it works for some people, right? It works for the controlling forces. A lot of those things, that you, as you're saying, they work, like slavery. This, it was a system that worked. Um, you know, patriarchy was a system that worked. It works for the controlling forces. It doesn't work for the oppressed people. And it's not until the people that are being oppressed amass enough um, power and force to change it that anything changes. I think polyamory is something that's existed you know, since the beginning of time, but it was really just men having multiple women. And I think the difference that we see now is that women are having um, multiple partners, and that's why it's something that we can have a conversation about because the, the, the concept previously has been, you know, men tending to feel like it's okay for them to have more than one woman as long as they can financially provide for each person that they're dealing with, with without regard to the physical or the emotional support that women need. And women were like, well, if you're out here doing this and doing that behind my back, in front of my face, you know, whatever the case may be, it's not fair to me. And I also have urges, needs, and desires to experience or express myself in various fashions. And so, you know, that kind of birth something different that we, we we see now as like polyamory where it's not just a man saying, I'm going to have multiple women or, you know, I'm going to cheat. It's now a woman also saying, well, I'm also interested in multiple partners and we can have multiple relationships and still be together within this context. So... I yeah, respect great, it. Let me, we actually have to get to break, y'all. So let, let me, yeah, we have to get to break. So I'll let, and I got Brother Pierre trying to get back in. I was wanting to go to Brother Ump, but I guess he, he may have dropped off. Hopefully he'll get back in. But let's go to this um, next break, and we will definitely continue this morning's discussion. Question, what the F is polyamory? All I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. Are you ready to claim your financial freedom to build wealth? Well, join Mental Dialogue and Core Financial for the 2020 Financial Freedom to Wealth Building Unconference, 
a unique interactive unconference where you select the classes that matter to you all at an affordable price. Bring the entire family as you receive instruction from certified financial professionals in budgeting, credit repair, home buying, and understanding and buying stocks. In addition, your teenagers can take the youth entrepreneurship class taught by an 18-year-old business owner. Secure your entire family's financial freedom and success as you choose two of the classes and participate in the interactive financial Olympics where your entire family will learn about the wealth-building tools of personal finance, investment clubs, and vertical integration in business. The 2020 Financial Freedom to to Wealth-Building Unconference takes place February the 22nd, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at MOTEP Academy, 667 Fairburn Road, Northwest Atlanta. Child care providing during the event for ages 5 to through 11. Get your tickets at claimyourfreedom2020.eventbrite.com. Again, that is claimyourfreedom2020.eventbrite.com. We are excited about putting on our first financial unconference. Please go see uh, the site, see the instructors that we have. This is a real opportunity for those who are trying to figure out how to get their money right in this capitalist society. So we're trying to put people on the right track. So please, please go to claimyourfreedom2020.eventbrite.com. This morning's discussion question, what the F is polyamory? Featuring Dr. Sanjata's special guest co-host, Christy Gaydale. See if brother got back in, so I wanted to go to him. Um, in re- reference to what he, we just heard, he did get back in. I got Brother Pianchi trying to get back in. For anybody on the line that wants to get in on this morning's discussion, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. You will have to press 1 to get in on the discussion. All right, Brother Aunt, we got you back on the line. Go ahead, King. Yeah, so I think now we're coming to the crust of what's really going on. I, I think all African Americans should actually take a detailed study of African history, custom, and tradition, so that when you start to study, you can start to recognize the differences. Uh, you can read the book by Stanton Diops. He talked about the early clans and what they was based off of. It was clearly based off of things that were different than European clans early on. Uh, they was all first started off with the incest. And then that, you know, got rooted out of societies, right? And then it, it was based off the treatment of the women. Like, for instance, the dowry went to women. Why? Because women were so essential to the community and what it was doing. So you had to pay to actually take a wife. In European societies, uh, the wife's family pays for the wedding. I don't want to go too detailed on that. What I would like to say is the, 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 bond, the bond of men and women started 300,000 years with the first homo sapiens sapiens. Based off of natural selection, those who stayed longer with their partners had more valuable offspring. And the great doctor, I know he understands exactly what I'm saying, that being in a relationship with a male and a female is better for the children, no matter what we think, no matter what we say. We're really talking about outliers. So certain behaviors is really outliers, and he's right. Some people just think that way, but for the majority of homo sapiens sapiens, for for them to get to the age, to, to, to have valuable offspring, to get to the age of reproduction, it's just better to have a, a, a male and a female in the household. we got to remember this. This is very important. Men no, raise boys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Finish. No, please finish. I'm sorry. Hold Go on. ahead. Please finish. Hold on. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you, were, you just paused. I didn't hear you. No, continue. Please continue. Okay. 
Okay, men raise boys to men, and women raise women, and women raise girls to women. This is essential. This is very essential, and this is the problem. When you start to deal with cultural things, we, we're starting to get mixed up a little bit here. We should never forget that we're, one, African Americans, and, two, we come from Africa, and we have certain customs and certain traditions that can be brought forward that would help us do a little bit better than what we're doing. I'm not knocking all European customs and traditions because that, too, is part of our lives, why we're African Americans. But there are some examples that we can look back to, and I think that we should take those examples. Now, I never was saying that you necessarily need to be married. That wasn't it. I was saying that you need to be with the mother to help raise the children. That's what I said. And I never was saying that the marriage thing, marriage thing. The point is we need to be with our sisters to raise them damn kids. That's important. That's all I'm going to say, brother. Now, strong points. I'm going to let Dr. Shadada. Let me let me let me throw this real quick. Um, and again, I, it's because I think the truth is in the middle. So I'm just trying to add the context of how I'm hearing and where I think the middle ground is. It's not that people need to agree with me. Again, this is just how we do dialogue here. And so uh, as I listen to Brother Uncle, I've already kind of said I'm in agreement with a lot of what he's saying. What, what I'm also hearing, Dr. Sundar, I want to hear your response, and Christy will get to you. What I'm also hearing is, because both of you I know have done a lot of study when it comes to evolution, and so what I would um, engage in the sense with you saying this, Dr. Sanjata, whereas you're absolutely right, the context that we, especially the word marriage itself, you said this already, that you know, and for the most part with the colonization of the world, that word is being used in a certain context, and you're typically talking about how we understand it in Western society. Uh, where, where I think we could all be in line is the the, the the context of how humans evolved and, as Brother Unc said, the offsprings were typically doing better if the longer that male and female stayed together. These are just scientific, in a sense, facts, if you will, when it comes to evolution. So each society figured out their own way of how to sometimes sometimes make that permanent. Not every society did that. But if you're going to, in a sense, reduce it to that scientific aspect, which is kind of where Brother Uncle is going, then that's where I, too, lean in the sense of from a cultural standpoint saying, hey, these are, gonna, these are the results almost regardless of whatever society you're in. Here's what science and history has proven even in human evolution standpoints. So I'm just saying, is there a way to offer, hey, here's a suggestion for the culture and then absolutely respect, as Brother Aunt called them, and you and I have had this conversation often, and still have complete respect for the outliers. The biggest issue in the past has been humans have never respected the outliers. That's where in my opinion, the oppression has most come from. We say it's this way and only this way, and if you are outlier, you don't fit in, and we're going to destroy you. That is, that is where humans have failed throughout evolution. I would offer in this context of this conversation that if we could not destroy, completely respect, quote-unquote, outliers, it would create a different dynamic where we all can exist, where we're saying culturally, here's, we can say here's a best practice culturally, 
but now have better respect for those who don't fit it? That's the question I have for you and wanted to bring that perspective to this context, if you will. Go ahead, Dr. Sanjata. Yes. So, um, yeah, I appreciate everything everyone's bringing. I appreciate the dialogue. Um, so what I want to bring to the context is that um, one of the things I mentioned earlier is, you know, that I'm a systems thinker and I've, and I've studied systems thinking in terms of the evolution of all these things. And one of the things I want to give you all is this. Human systems have gotten further and further away from our natural ways of being over the course of the 300,000 years, approximately, that homo sapiens have been on this earth. We've gotten away from natural systems because humans are natural systems within ourselves. But as we've continued to build these social systems on top of our reality to be quote unquote successful, um, the problem is just it's been done in a non-systemic way. It's been done, I'm sorry, it's been done in a way that doesn't honor um, our true nature. So what ends up happening is uh, it hasn't been organic, it hasn't been holistic, so you end up getting side effects you end up getting negative side effects. And what I mean by that is any system that doesn't work, in my, in my understanding of systems, any system that doesn't work for all people is not going to be a good system. It's always going to alienate. It's always going to cause dysfunction in a lot of different ways. So just to give you guys some context of what I mean by that, just to hold this. I want you to hold this in your brain. Um, nature's, natural systems work for everybody. Natural systems work for everybody. For example, oxygen. The oxygen-carbon dioxide relationship with animals and trees and plants is that we give off as a waste product, humans give off as a waste product CO2 when we breathe. That waste is food for plants and trees. They give off a waste product called oxygen, and that's food for us, right? We need oxygen. If we didn't have oxygen, we couldn't exist. That's a natural cycle. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to, like, systematize it. It just works. It just works. That's a natural system. So human social systems need to be designed in a way where they work. And the way that human systems can be designed in a way that works is if you liberate people to live based on their true natural ways of showing up. And any way that any system that has these, um, these gotchas or these little designs that don't work for all people it just doesn't work. So when we talk about everything that we're talking about within this conversation, about family structures and things like that, you have to understand that that's very, that's, those are fairly new concepts, um, you know, within, literally within the last 500 years. But humans have been around for, for approximately 300,000. And when you talk about this a natural evolutionary way around, you know, sex and relationships and things like that, you have to understand that, and when you talk about like a man in the household and a woman in the household, what, you're, what we're doing is we're, like, erasing certain realities when you speak that way. You're erasing, I'll start with saying you're erasing people that can't have children. Not every female, and I'm talking about sex only in terms of genitalia, not every female can have children. Not every male in terms of sex, people with penises, not everyone can produce children. What happens when you get a, a, a female and a male that get into a relationship together and they can't have children? Guess what? They don't have children. So, but evolutionary speak, evolutionarily speaking, there's a book called Sex Before Dawn that does a great job of breaking all this down. Women, before these concepts of marriage and households and all those things came into play, women are designed, women were designed, and I'm, I'm sorry, not even women, I want to say females because I want to speak to sex. Females were designed in a way where 
they could have sex with multiple males and multiple males, I'm sorry, and can have multiple orgasms. And many years before these contexts that we're talking about came about, many, many males would uh, have sex with women and the woman would get pregnant and she wouldn't even know who the, uh, the, the father was because mm-hmm. those concepts didn't exist when it was, when, when it, this was a village concept. It was like right. it didn't matter right. who the father was because the whole village took care of the offspring. And it didn't, she didn't need to know. And, I'm, and even when I say she, I want you all to understand that the language of that, that, that word doesn't even exist because now we're putting gender onto things, and that's where I'm going next. When we talk that way, we also erase um, the LGBTQ plus community because there's some people who don't even identify in, on that binary, on gender, the gender binary. There are certain people with penises that don't, don't identify as a man. There are certain people with vaginas that don't identify as a woman in terms of the gender and what all that means. But they're people, too. They exist, too. They have value, too. They bring other things to the village, too. There are certain people that, are, uh, that have vaginas that have penises that can, are fluid, and they can, you know, have children and, and impregnate people, but they may also be able to have relationships, whether they be sexual or not, with people across the gender um, spectrum as well. So the thing is, when we continue to have these social systems, that says what is right and what success is based on these constructs around marriage and a man and a woman in a household, what you end up doing is causing dysfunction for people who don't fit that fit within those boxes. Those people have been erased in our society for so long, and it causes various mental health issues. A lot of people that are on the, the LGBTQ plus you know, spectrum have committed suicide. And please acknowledge that, that that's what I mean by having respect. Right, right, but I'm just saying, please acknowledge that I absolutely said that has been an issue in the fact that we have not respected or allowed them to exist. So that's the concept that I would like to bring to it. I want to make sure I let Christy get in here. We've gotten to the break. So what I'm going to do is go to our break and let Christy come out of the break. I want to say, can I say one more thing? Yeah, let let me, me, yeah, I got to take care of my sponsors. Okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah, make it, it's got to be 30 seconds. It's got to be 30 seconds because I got to make sure I get all my sponsors. Just to wrap it up, just to wrap it up, and everything I'm saying it doesn't currently exist, and what I'm advocating for and what I do on my podcast is people like us, we're, we're doing it, we're creating it, and what I'm saying to other people who aren't in these spaces is that we have to create new systems. I need people to start thinking about creating new and not just being successful in the old because the old causes dysfunction and it hurts people and it hurts the environment. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love can't define this. Love can define it. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define it. We're crippled and love would only blind us. Well, love can define 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Christy Gaynell. This morning's discussion question, what the fuck is polyamory featuring Dr. Sundata as well as Brother Unks on the line from the Amon Ross squad? Um, Christy, I wanted you to jump in. I definitely have a little thing I want to say back to Dr. Sundata, but I know you were trying to get in earlier, so I want to make sure we get you in, Queen. Um, Go ahead, um, Christy, if you want. Oh, I was just agreeing with him um, with regard to what he was saying about uh, natural laws and how they work for everybody, like, you know, breathing. There are also natural laws like, you know, karma, law of consequence, and those laws also impact everybody. And I I agree also that one of the, the biggest things that we've done, you know, to harm ourselves individually is create a society where we feel the need to be governed by other people who are living in fear of things that they don't understand and instead of trying to get a deeper understanding for something that feels unfamiliar they just um, deny it and make it uh, they demonize it or make it you know illegal or they either demonize it or criminalize it and they try to ostracize anybody who participates in said behaviors. So historically, you know, as we've had people try and express their truest selves, we've had witch hunts, we've had um, people being anti-gay or people being stoned for, you know, whatever it is, just basically for being themselves. You know, there are healers who are killed because somebody said that healing comes from the devil. You know what I mean? Like, so there's so many aspects of humanity that we are not open to just because we insist on trying to control and police people based on what we believe is capable for us instead of what these people are demonstrating is true for them. And I think until we get to a place in society where we allow nature's laws to rule and we accept each individual for who they are and what they say you know, how they express themselves within that context, we're always going to have issues. Um, We're always going to have people who are feeling ostracized and suicidal. We're always going to have outliers because the reality is everybody's an outlier. Some people are just better at hiding it. So I'll say this. I'm not like a brother. I got you, brother. Then I'll get to brother Piaki. So, I'll, I'll still try to ask you to consider this con this, this concept, um, as well as you, Christy, in the sense of the concept of humans being able to respect, in a sense, those who are different, Where, whereas I hear you say natural system works for everybody. You will say that, and, I, and I've knew about that context of early humans, right? I always just typically, the short way I always say it is that early humans fucked like rabbits. And that's, so that's where you get into the concept of where you're saying she wouldn't always know, in a sense, who the father, were, father was in, the, in that village concept. I will say that part of the evolutionary process also included for the survival of those those groups of homo sapiens, they also came to evolve into, and this is partly why I think Brother Uncle's saying, the concept of the, the stronger and better offspring with the concept of if we are both here, male and female, we know one another, and we are taking care of our offsprings, that's where you started seeing life expectancies go up. And so uh, when you say work for everybody, I'll even challenge the idea, like you said, of those who cannot, ha- that cannot nurture children, 
then there is even a, there isn't a natural system that will work for everybody because outliers are part of nature as well, whether it be an albino. And I'm not saying that what I'm saying is a full uh, uh, the correct analogy against what you're saying, but I'm just asking that you consider that the reason humans moved from that initial village concept because evolution contended that survival, and this is how you, why you saw, you can go study history and find marriage started ending different cultures around the world in its own way. I think Not the European concept we see. I think what, you understand what, what I'm saying when I'm saying when I talk about natural laws, because you're still talking about a village concept, which was still another form of self-governing, and I'm not talking about any type of village. I'm actually not addressing. I'm not addressing what you're. I'm addressing Dr. Sujata saying the idea of natural things works for everyone, and I'm saying I'm pushing right, back. That part of the reason that part of the reason that humans evolve to a man and woman stand together is because it added to the survivability of humans, at least from the way I've studied evolution. And I'm not saying I have it correct. I'll let brother kind of jump in here. So I'm not just, I'm just kind of saying that I was going directly at what he had to say and I'll let him respond, but I know I got brother Aunt trying to get in as well. So brother, Aunt, uh, please, the floor is yours. And I'm going to go back to Dr. Sanjata before I go to um, brother Pianchi again. Two, two points. Very interesting. Um, Come and all that is not part of natural law. Uh, I study scientific literacy. Um, also, we need to kind of recognize that natural selection is at play here. And I don't know about early humans fucking like rabbits. We know you got at least, what, 27 different human species residing on Earth, at least 15 in Europe. Um, this is before Homo sapiens sapiens. And so based off of natural selection, this is passed on. Uh, uh, through, through the old, uh, other homogeneous family, like Homo neanderthal, uh, Homo nilotes, uh we got Homo erectus. Man, they was basically having partners that just made more sense. Um, you, you, we know that living in cities, close proximity. When you start messing around with other people, women, typically in Baltimore, Maryland, that's what you die from. It don't be the drug game, it don't be the police. It be messing with other people, women. So early on. We understood that it was a, several, a, a, a certain level of jealousy that occurred when you would mess with somebody else's mate. And, and you would kill each other, and it wasn't beneficial to the tribe nor the clan. So we developed ideas. I think it's important to read Diop's book, uh, um, Civilization and Barbarism. He lays it out for you. Uh, uh, a lot of what African culture did, some of it was based off matronage, right? Europeans, Indo-European cultures was based off the patronage. Why is this? You know what I'm saying? Why was the man more dominant? Why why is it that, and watch this, in Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, the God is the man? It's it's all speaking to what we're speaking to. And I find it very funny because God said you can have more than one wife. And and, and as practicing Christians, we miss that. You know, Jesus is the one who didn't have more than one wife, but it's Jewish custom to have more than one wife. Uh, The Muslims picked this up more than one wife. So God said you could have more than one wife. So I find it, I mean, so natural laws and all that, natural would have been sticking to your mate. God added the extra wife in that. So, you know what I'm saying? So the conversation kind of went off track a little bit with what natural was and what natural wasn't. Man, I studied the natural forces in nature. The brother on here, he studies biological human evolution. And he can, you know, me and he can have this serious conversation. But I know he's in agreement with me. 
So when he talks about Europeans and, and the way they married, he's right. But let's study what African cultures did. Now, I'm not saying stand old. I'm saying is some things that our ancestors did were valuable. It's important based off of going through the transnet, transcontinental kidnapping trade for us to know what they did. They had some Stone Age ideas that might not work in the space age. So I just want to be fair. We need to understand human evolution, human psychology, African psychology, European psychology. Then we can sit at the round table and have a serious discussion. But as long as we always using European societies as a reference point on why we should do this and why we should do that, I think that's a mistake. The Chinese don't do it. The Indians don't. The Hindus don't do it. You know, the Koreans don't do it. Nobody do it but us. And that's based off of our condition and being in the transcontinental uh, uh, kidnapping tree. That's all I'd like to add to the discourse. I'm good. Uh, Dr. Sanjata, I'll let you respond, and I'm going to go into Brother Pianchi after you. Go ahead real quick, Dr. Sanjata. Yeah, I want to say that the tough thing about a dialogue like this is that, you know, we're throwing out terms, but we don't have, like, visuals and, like, timelines, you know, because when we talk about human evolution mm-hmm. um, and, like, all the various, like, social systems and constructs that we're talking about, they're lit- they, they literally – Start, like, even when you talk about like African uh, cultures and, and, and societies and versus European cultures and societies, everything that we're talking about from, in that sense started approximately 10,000 years ago with the agricultural revolution. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But when I'm, what I'm talking about when I talk about human evolution, I'm talking about going before that. Because once, like with everything that you were saying, Montoya, um, you know, that you and Christy were talking about and the things that you were saying is like, yes, from 10,000 years forward yes like those are realities the things that i'm trying to bring to the context is to truly understand human nature you got to go back further you got to go back before patriarchy you got to go back before religion and all these various social constructs came into human society you got to go back before power over came into human societies because prior to the uh, agricultural revolution prior to that humans lived and he got they lived egalitarian and hunter-gathering nomadic tribes so, and they, and they did that literally for the first 290,000 years of human existence. And that's just homo sapiens. And as the brother said, yeah, there were other human species that lived and then went extinct. But for our species, we've been around for approximately 300,000 and we live egalitarian. And, and when that's power with, it wasn't until the agricultural revolution that these power over dynamics came into play and all these social right. systems that we now know and understand became the reality. What I advocate for, right. when I talk about liberation, everything I'm talking about is liberation. So I'm not saying that we need to go back and study, you know, African societies. I'm not saying we need to go back and study European societies. What I'm saying is, in a liberated society, we create an environment where we meet people where they are, and every person can show up as an individual, and then, you know, be in relationship and build culture and build community with like-minded, like-hearted people. But once you liberate people to be their natural selves and to build community based on what's natural and feels good to them, you will see so many, in my opinion, based on studying, comparing human systems to natural systems, you will see so many of the dysfunctions, including crime and all these various things, go away. They will literally go away because people will be able to be their, their natural selves. All the hate, all, the, you know, all these various things, all the dysfunctions, they will melt away. So that's what I'm advocating for. I respect and I understand people who want to look to the past for, like, this is what we need to model. 
I believe well, that. I, I talk about the past. I talk about the past as just something to, to add context. But I feel like no, we need to create in the here and now, based on the realities and based on what we've learned, and based on the technology and the science and all the various things that we have in the now. We need to create societies around liberation. Stop trying to fit people into boxes based on these concepts that powerful people from generations ago created. And let's get real with what's happening in the now based on who everyone is and create societies, again, where no one is hurt, societies where everything just works for everyone. And that's why, yes, what Christy was saying, liberating people in a way that everyone can show up as their natural selves, that will happen. And that's what I advocate for, you know, and just again, just the last thing I'll say to plug in case anyone's interested in getting more deeper, because I could, I do a much better job of explaining these things on my podcast, where I talk about the evolutionary origins, the current complexities, and then the future of all these various social systems. So I break it down in three parts. Sounds good. All right, we're going to break. Brother Pianchi's out of break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Business Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all the radio, please contact me, 404-604-9477. Somebody has some noise in the background, please mute yourself. Or as an individual, if you like what we're doing with this show, please support us at mentaldialogue.com. You can be an individual supporter. You will receive... Uh, benefits for being a member or supporter. So please go to mentaldialogue.com and support and keep intelligent radio on the air. Brother Pianchi has been waiting. I'll let him get in. You know, I like your uh, position of left, right, and middle. You know, in the United States, those things that people are doing today were not done in the past because of the ostracism that it received from common society. But now the courts allow men to marry men, women to marry women. But here's the thing. 
I respect that. That's another thing you said. You have to respect it, but you don't have to accept it. And you don't have to show outward rebellion against it. But what happens is when those that's engaged in something that's outside of your way of thinking, your way of living, the what we call tried, proven, trusted, the outliers want to come in and mess with your kids. And that's where the line has to be drawn. Let me ask you something. Who was it? How in the heck did Adam and Eve know that they was naked? I mean, we want to go about his story. An outsider came in and told them that they was naked. They didn't have no idea. And you look at the Amish, the Quakers, and the Mormons. They live a society in a particular fashion that works very well for them. And outsiders don't go in and mess with them, at least as yet they have not. And take this. We talk about religion. Religion is nothing but the deification of an ethnic group's culture. Because for somebody to say thou shalt not lie with men as you do with women, they had to witness that as being out of their norm of tried, proved, and tested. And then they wrote a law against it based on the deification of their culture, which is called religion. Take sperm, for instance. When a male ejaculated into a female, her defense systems try to attack that. Now, being that we in close proximity with one another for all of these decades and years and centuries in the Western Hemisphere, well, it may not be as bad as it was in the initial period. But take a black man out of down south Mississippi and take him to Tibet, China, and let him have that copulation with a female there. What a reaction of her immune system to his sperm may be a whole different perspective. Now it's on because of the close proximity. So, you know, and also you look at these laws. Don't give your sons to their daughters, nor your daughters to those son, your, their sons. Those were, it's in the Bible today, but it was something that was practiced in their societies. And they decided to make a law against it. And that's their responsibility, their right to do so. So, like you said, Montoya, you got the left, you got the right, and you got those in the center. And the nodes in the center are the ones where you see all these different things going on. In the United States, it's perfectly fine. But you should respect those on the left and those on the right. And if those on the right and the left put up opposition to you in trying to influence them, it's their right to do so. The Constitution gives them the right to do so, to accept and not accept. But those in the Senate should also express self-respect and refrain themselves from doing these things. And that's why I got back to earlier. If you are that way, let the other person know right out front. I think it's deceitful and downright evil if you don't because now you're betraying that person and to do something that they other words would not get involved in if they knew from up front. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you for your three cents, Brother Piaki. So let me say this. We're kind of at the end, so we'll kind of start getting closing thoughts. And so – my question for you, Dr. Jotter, and again, I always appreciate your passion. Glad to have you on the show. 
And so I'm, in a sense, you know, probably similar to what Brother Pianchi is saying right now, but I have, I guess, against this concept of honesty and respect that is always, well, I think it's always, is definitely not in consideration when there is a power over dynamic. There is no honesty and respect for those that you are intending to have power and control over. And so, you know, in my eyes, current conditions, and I absolutely respect your idea of a new system. You know, I don't reject that totally. Um, but in, I'll say in the meantime, the concept of honesty, respect, because I'm also saying in the meantime, for this concept that I, in, in the sense of being endeared to wanting to, in a sense, quote, unquote, help my community. In trying to help my community, I my challenge to you, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, and we'll let everybody do closing thoughts after this, but my, my challenge is to you is that some of what you're saying does not help me bring up those most quote-unquote, oppressed currently. And so the concept of having honesty and respect, which is what is always lacking for those you, quote-unquote, oppress, that would be a beautiful pushback and an opportunity for those people to thrive within current systems as we possibly elevate to these new systems that you talk about. So some of what I'm saying is to contend with what's currently happening, because when I hear what you're saying, I don't think it helps me help those who are most oppressed at the moment. Those are at least my thoughts in what, into what you had to say. Go ahead, King, and, you, and thank you for being on the show as well. Oh, it was my pleasure. Um, before I, I answer that, one thing I want to say is you mentioned a couple of times we're outliers, and my whole movement, my whole mission, I, I consider myself an anti-oppression activist, is to, for my words and my work, to move us towards liberation. When I say us, I mean all humans, because nobody's free until we're all free. And with that being said, if you truly understand what liberation means, then there would be no, out, there would be no outliers. Like, there, like there's no, because everyone's there, everyone's different. We're all different. We're all outliers, really, if you want to put it that. Like, there is no normal. There is no standard when it comes to humans. So I want to just give you that frame of thought, something to chew on and the listeners to chew on. This whole concept of outliers is the issue of itself, and it doesn't exist in a liberated society. The next thing is I do understand that as you transition from, um, you know, each domain, each system domain, um, that, and this is, you know, you and I talked about this, Montez, you know where I'm going with it. There are going to be people who have to nurture those who are still grappling with the current realities. That's good work. The work you do, that's more so where you, your work lives. I think that's good work. That's necessary. That's needed. There's other people who are, have to be the trailblazers, the ones who have to go out here and experiment and create new language, create new norms, all in the, in the, in the, you know, with, the found, with the foundational push of liberation. That's the work I do. That's where I live. Like, a lot of people like to say you're, I, I, you're, you're idealistic. And that's, uh, you know, fantasy world or utopia. One of the things I say to people is, guess what? Me being an African person whose, um, you know, ancestors were enslaved in this country, me being free to the degree that I'm free today was utopia for my enslaved ancestors. So there's always a, there's levels to all of this. 
So absolutely, I live in a space of idealism, a space of quote-unquote utopia, because if I don't speak it, and when I say me, I'm speaking to a lot of other people. I'm not the only one. But if I don't speak it and think it, then it'll never be created. So that's what I would say to challenge. So I, I feel like we don't have to compete. I feel like keep doing the good work you're doing. I'm going to keep doing the good work I'm doing. And I feel like it is room for it all. Sounds good, brother. Uh, go ahead, King. Come to Chapter 5. I'm sorry. Civilization Barbarism. Uh, first of all, the good good doctor made an excellent point about chronology. And so I was talking about the periods uh, uh, pre-glacial uh, stage that ended at about 11,000 BCE. You know, they're all around here. And I was talking about the forces of natural selection that are powerful. Charles Darwin talked about those forces. Uh, we cannot evade those forces. So no matter what we say, no matter what we do, homo sapiens sapiens are going to couple up. Now, the different types and variety of a couple of them up, right, will come based off of new types of thoughts and new types of ideas. But uh, basically speaking, the homogeneous family, which includes homo sapiens sapiens, homo lalati, homo erectus, you know what I'm saying, and a few others, they coupled up because they gave them an advantage. Sexual selection is clear that if it would have been better off for us to be asexual. Sexual didn't would have happened. But it was clear based off of sexual selection, it was better for a male and a female to copulate together. We have certain organisms that are asexual. So let me come to chapter five, clinic and tribal organization. This is before the Ice Age, and I will fight back on the farming revolution because uh, if you read Mark Bunnell's work, book, book three, he talks about farming as being a failure of the ecology to produce grains and fruits. Diop says clinic organization and that is founded on the taboo of insects marks the beginning of civilization that human being is no longer a simple biological animal. His sexual relations are henceforth dependent on very strict social regulation. So in this show we talked about social regulation. The clan. Yeah, let me let me. I'm sorry, I gotta. I saw. I saw. I gotta do this, but we are coming to the end of the show, King. And I gotta let Christy. I want to let her close us out as our queen for this. For for this, yeah. yeah, So I gotta. Yeah, we. So you're kind of getting deeper into the show as well as I was trying to give us a closing talk. Oh, oh no, it's all good. It's all good. I'm saying I want to get a closing. I just did it. Okay, cool. I didn't know. I didn't know. I apologize. I just. I just didn't understand that. So uh, absolutely, thank you for being on the show. I want uh, Christy to close us out. Uh, this afternoon. Thank you so much, Queen, for helping me hold this show down. Go ahead, Christy. Thank you. I um I just wanted to say that I agree with a lot of the sentiments with regard to living in a a free society where, you know, we're accepting of everybody and therefore there are no outliers. But I also wanted to address something I meant to address earlier with regard to a statement I think Brother Unk made about it takes a man to raise a son or uh and it takes a woman to raise a daughter um i think it takes a male and a female to raise both boys and girls to be men and women and i think that's a common misconception because i think that negates the importance of a man in a girl's life and i think it's important that men are and recognize that they are needed and they are just as important for a woman's life as a man as they are for a boy's life 
women need to be shown what to expect and how to be how to expect to be treated by men and having a man in the household does that for them it says hey this is the standard that you should accept this is the treatment that you should expect this is the love that you deserve and i think it's the same you know with boys they need to be shown from a woman this is how you can expect to be nurtured this is what it feels to have a woman's love so i think we need to stop pushing this misconception that it takes a man to raise a boy and it takes a woman to raise a girl it takes two loving parents to raise both genders and that's why it takes two loving parents to create both genders so i just wanted to say that as my closing statement no thank you no, nah, thank you. And, I, and to be fair to Brother Ankh, again, if you remember, he's been advocating both that both are around. I think he's just. I think he was saying it in the context of currently, a lot of our children are doing it without one. You know, they don't have a man to turn oh, them into a boy. Yeah, they don't have a I woman. Get that, but yeah, I was just out that he was just. He, yeah, he was just saying it within that context. We're at the end of the show. We're at the end of the show, Christy. Christy, we're at the end of the show, Queen. I was just giving being fair okay. to what he meant. And I just wanted to get that clarity. Thank y'all very much for this morning's discussion. We'll see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.